0: Now, they only eat rat. <laughs> this is Skyfall, Rewatchables.
1: This is the end. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. 007 reporting for duty. Feel the earth move and then.
2: Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection.
1: Let the sky fall any crumble.
0: I'm so excited for this one. This is uh, the first James Bond movie we've ever done on the Rewatchables, and I could not think of two people I'd rather do with it more than Amanda Dobbins.
3: Hello. Who
0: might be the biggest Skyfall fan of anyone on planet Earth.
3: I am wildly excited for this.
0: And Sean Fennessy. If she's M, I'm Q. You're Gareth Mallory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The oh, new yeah. M. Yeah. Oh, boy. Let's talk about Skyfall, the 2012 James Bond movie. It was the 23rd James Bond movie, uh, and it is widely considered to be I don't know, it's it's easily the most critically acclaimed James Bond movie. Yes. That was sort of the point. There were rumors around uh, director Sam Mendes, who was coming on to do the, the James Bond films and wound up doing two of them, that he had basically engineered this to be a critically acclaimed James Bond movie. That it was It was engineered to try and win Oscars. Uh, it did not really rack up the awards, but it racked up quite a bit of coin. It made $1.1 billion at the box office, directed by Sam Mendes, written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who are longtime Bond scribes. Uh, and John Logan, uh, who wrote Gladiator with an uncredited assist by British playwright and screenwriter Jez Butterworth, who I reckless, recklessly suspect uh, wrote these scenes between Bond and Silva, but that could be false. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also worked on Spectre. Uh, like I said, it made him $1.1 billion worldwide at the box office. It was nominated for Best Score, Best Song, Sound Editing, Sound Mixing, and Cinematography, and one for Best Song and Sound Mixing. And it is the prestige Bond. It is the movie that they, when they decided, hey, we can't let Christopher Nolan have all the fun making Bond-esque thrillers that, that get all this critical acclaim. Let's do it ourselves. And um, why don't we open it up here? You know, I have a, I have a lot of things to say about it. But Amanda, mm-hmm. as somebody who is, I think you mentioned Skyfall to me, like it, you are actually the case study of a rewatchable movie fan in this, in this case, because you say Skyfall was on last night mm-hmm. and I had to finish it.
3: Yeah, well, the problem is it's not off and on, so I own it. And then it's on in my home because I put it on. And then my husband is like, oh, no, not again. Do I have to hear you do the Javier Bardem speech one more time? <laughs> right. I this is the best Bond movie to me. And I, I, I you know, it's critically be for you. I, I do like Casino Royale. And then I'm trying to think in terms of the it's Sean Connery otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think those are all kind of a blur to me yeah. growing up. It's just they were on. They're on, on the marathons home. on TV. Yeah. yeah. And so it's more just kind of Sean Connery running around looking like Sean Connery is my idea of a Bond. And I think that's kind of why I respond to the Daniel Craig movies and specifically Skyfall is because it has such a different idea of what a Bond movie is and who James Bond is, even as it is like quite faithful and referencing everything that came before it. Um, It has ideas about... The actual character of James Bond. It has ideas about Empire. It has ideas about how to make an action movie. And I just I think that it is both really enjoyable and also a rich text. Mm-hmm. And it also
0: like, I mean, it hits so many different quadrants, John. Yeah. Like it's like it's got music, it's got action, it's got romance, it's got humor. It's it has a kind of classical satisfaction level that like movies rarely hit on that regularity.
4: Yeah. It's interesting. You pose the Sam Mendes bid for prestige. Maybe this is some of my own biases bursting through like the living daylights, but uh, (laughs) I am not a huge bond person. I've Uh never been a huge bond person. I have probably seen somewhere between half and two thirds of the films And it never really clicked. I didn't catalog it the way you would catalog Star Wars Mm -hmm. or the way you would catalog horror movies where you're like, this exists in this universe that you have to understand in full. For whatever reason, it never really got to me that way. This movie scratches that part of my brain that a lot of the other Bond movies don't, I think because of what you're describing, which is that. It's so well made with so much clarity, but it's not it doesn't abandon what makes Bond good, no. but it gives you a lot if he's not as important to you because it gives you a little bit of like psychological backstory. It gives you even the the theme song is is a just a better version of a theme song than a lot of the Bond theme songs. You know, the the Casino Royale theme song is not a bad song, but it's sung by Chris Cornell and it's kind of weird. Yeah. And the 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 theme song in Quantum of Solace is sung by Jack White and yeah. Alicia Keys, and it's actually quite strange. The Adele song, it feels like it's 100 years old and also incredibly modern, you know? The movie is is shot by Roger Deakins. Yeah. Like, for movie nerds, that's just candy. It's just catnip. So
0: it, it's giving you all these other additional things that most of these movies never gave me. It feels like best-in-class Bond. Best song, mm-hmm. best photography, possibly the best performance of a Bond, and best villain.
3: Yes. And best supporting cast, yeah. too. We mm-hmm. have to talk about the absolutely stacked cast yeah. from top to bottom. Because they are doing a lot with... In a lot of ways, the the script has a lot of ideas, but there are some pretty stock lines. Yeah, you know, sure, yeah. And but then you have Judy Dench and Ray Fines like making all of these. I think uh,
0: I can't remember if it was Adam Neiman actually wrote about this in Reverse Shot when it came out. Adam Neiman writes a lot for The Ringer, but I think he mentions that uh, most of the people who work at MI6 have played Hamlet. <laughs> R- Rory Kinnear, Ben Whishaw, Ray Fiennes, Judy Inch have all played Hamlet before. And if you're just like, oh, this is just an incredible actor who happens to be Tanner and who's driving the car, yeah. you know, you wind up getting like a race uh, floor. But the big thing that I wanted to talk about off the top, and we'll obviously address this a bunch of times over throughout the, the pod, is Javier Bardem as Silva, because I think that that takes this movie to another level. In a lot of ways, I think Skyfall is at least two, if not three, movies. You've got the first hour or so, which is basically the death and resurrection of Bond, and the Shanghai sequence, which is classic Bond. It's just it's got Severine, it's got this shootout in, a, in an incredible locale. It's got intrigue and espionage, sex, and then, violence, and debonair. Absolutely, yeah. and, and Martini. And you know, it, you get a lot of the with the you know him coming back to the to the service and having to go through the psychological and physical training he does. You get a peek into like sort of what this movie is about, but. Everything changes when he goes to the abandoned island off of Macau, um, and and especially changes when Silva comes on for the first time, and and the movie kind of goes off in a different direction in a lot of different ways. Amanda, I know you feel very strongly about Harvey, Javier Bardem's performance in this movie. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about Raul Silva?
3: I think it's an outrage that Javier Bardem was not nominated for an Oscar. That's my number two outrage of Oscar outrage of the decade behind Social Network not winning. This is transcendent yes and weird and bizarre and entirely memorable and very funny and very fucked up and there is a thing bond villain is kind of like a catchphrase in society for a reason because they aren't often the most fleshed out like well-developed characters Mm -hmm. they always have like cockamamie Mm -hmm. plots it's like a macguffin essentially in these movies in those movies and that's kind of why for instance all the sean connery ones but blend together for me because I'm just like, oh, there's a bad guy and he wants to take over the world probably with some weapons. And mm-hmm. then also, you know, James Bond like stops it.
0: They're as malleable as Bond themselves. So yeah. There's so many different Blofelds. There's so many different, yeah, villains.
3: But in addition to being a super ridiculous human with blonde, no country hair who gives a speech about rats, Silva' is a mirror of James Bond in a lot of ways. So it's both a completely ostentatious performance and a really close, intimate storyline. Mm -hmm. And you can't do better than that.
4: It's a great point. I think the only reason he didn't win and wasn't nominated is because he just won three years or five years before this for No Country. So I mean, supporting that's actor held against him,
0: yeah. Supporting actor that year was uh, Alan Arkin for Argo, Robert De Niro for Silver Linings Playbook, Philip Seymour Hoffman for The Master, Tommy Lee Jones in uh, Lincoln, and Christoph Waltz who won for Django Unchained. He had also, I believe, won for Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. So that was to go against that. That's that's a shame. He uh, also is the next Bond villain, Inspector.
4: That's mm-hmm. right. So right. there's there's some there's like a there's a certain kind of actor that is drawn to this thing, and I think when Mads Mikkelsen comes into Casino Royale, and then Matthew Mark is in Quantum of Solace, the quality of performer starts to improve as the villains yeah. of these movies, and Bardem being an Oscar winner, and Waltz being an Oscar winner,
0: Rami Malek is now Oscar winner, and Rami Malek, Malek an Oscar and the winner, Carrie Fukunaga one,
4: yeah, exactly. So
0: like sensing a trend, and they've really raised the
4: bar. I mean, yeah, they, mm-hmm. the Mendes movies. It started with Casino Royale and Quantum, which I think are pretty good. Um, Casino much more so than Quantum. But this movie, and part of it is because of Mendes's theater background, I think confers this air of prestige, this air of importance. And I think when you get good writing, and like we kind of, we mentioned Jez Butterworth, but I think John Logan, too, is really just one of the best screenwriters of the 21st Mm -hmm. century. His credits are amazing. He wrote one of my favorite movies ever, Rango. Um, and he he has also secretly participated in the creation of a lot of movies. And he's very good at this psychological thing that we're talking about here of creating a different kind of stakes in a very familiar format.
0: Yeah. And that's what's so great about the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, S- Silva essentially plays Hannibal Lecter meets Julian Assange meets Robert Shaw's blonde Adonis from, Rus- from Russia <laughs> with Love. Yeah. And he uh, even has the Jaws esque mouthpiece going on. There's some of the nods, Easter eggs for for Bond fans. But he seems to be a creation completely unto his own. Obviously imbued with like the physicality and the homoeroticism, and the absolutely shattered. Like he talks about, like the cyanide burned away his insides. So did, obviously his heart, but like everything else. And so much of the Silva Bond M triangle is the thing that like I. Is what I keep responding to. I mean, I love the Shanghai stuff. I love the train shootout. I love the end in Glencoe with like the, you know, the winter scape on fire. But ultimately, the thing that you keep going back for is this incredibly disturbing mommy drama mm-hmm. with M being this, you know, maternal figure to these two men who are essentially two sides of the same coin.
3: Yeah. We've talked a lot about the script's origins, and but we haven't mentioned that before Skyfall, there was another script yeah. for the 23rd movie that was written by Peter Morgan. And it that script was too dark, apparently, and was thrown away, although it did have, I believe, the basic blueprint of the M character character. Uh, as as a stand-in for England and Empire, yes. uh, doing some possibly questionable things, and then having—I believe it was that the script was like she had an actual son who then kind of rose up against her. And
0: there are—we can get to this in half-assed internet research, but there is a lot of online scholarship suggesting that that is kind of the case. That that Silva is sort of her adopted son that she right. abandoned. Yeah. Well, I mean,
3: there are certainly t- shades of it yeah. anyway, and that basic theme. And so it's both the the mommy. And the, the son's drama, there is that Empire England aspect of it, which, you know, Peter Morgan has made that his life's work in the crown and in the queen and all of that stuff. And it's really layered and screwed up and fascinating because it works both on that yeah. super human, interpersonal, all of us are in the chapel at the end level, and it works on like a... International level.
4: I feel like it's also the ultimate payoff of what starts in the first Craig movie, which is the first time when Vesper turns on him at the end of the film and you start to realize that Bond can feel things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this movie is, you know, it seems highfalutin, but it's really purposeful. Like it's very much about trauma, it's very much about what happened to you when you were a kid, what happened to you at your job. What happened to you? What are the things that happened to you that you can't forget and you can't get away from? Yes. And it's true for Silva. It's true for M. It's true for every significant character in the movie. And that's just so much to put on a movie like this, but it works so well because you got so many great performers. The writing is so good. It looks so beautiful. Like, it never feels forced. And a lot of times when you try to put a big idea inside of a franchise movie, it feels like, it's just like an anvil, wing the thing down, and in this case, it just doesn't feel that way.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it. Part of it is the performances. Part of it is the fact that they make the surrounding scenes, even though it's like a Macau sex worker, and and you know, like you know, Ray Fine's getting shot and hearing and stuff like that. Like even though dark stuff happens around Silva and Bond, that seems to be happening almost in a different kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then the Silva Bond stuff, even down to. The entrance of Silva, which we will talk about, I'm sure, <laughs> being the sustained one-take speech that he gives is so different than anything we've ever seen with Bond. You know, when we do rewatchables, I think there's always like an interesting conversation about the choices of the movies and tonally what kind of movies we're talking about. And despite this movie being somewhat dark and and and, re- and really grappling with these ideas about, I mean, the stuff when, when Silva and Bond are talking, M is almost explicitly... The majesty. It's almost explicitly yes. the crown and this idea of England and what England took from us and what England made us into and England never lied to me and all, this, all these ideas and then she's fucking quoting Tennyson. I mean it c- couldn't be any more explicit but I kind of look forward to that turn every time. I look forward to going to Scotland every time I watch yeah. uh, Skyfall because you got, kind of get to go on that emotional journey every time. I never find it dull. Yeah, I think it's because it's
4: still a Bond movie, too. You know, you still get payoff. Yeah. You know, like, these movies have to fulfill, like, a certain kind of, not just emotional stakes, but just, like, um, it just has to touch your brain in a way. Mm -hmm. It's, like, action set piece here, steamy shower scene here, showdown with your villain here. If you get all those things going, but you do them at the highest possible level then yeah it still works and it's still it still pays off too to like go to go to skyfall at the end of the movie to see albert finney to have this big
0: shootout and they booby trap the house it's not like yeah. it's not fun like right. they right. make all right. these like special a giant helicopter yeah, yeah. Right. there's
3: a helicopter and a subway train crash in this yes. movie along yes. with guys fighting on a train <laughs> along with another one every single time i think i actually forget yeah. one set piece and i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah it's this one and but they're all really engaging which I think is pretty rare for even for a Bond movie. You know, there's always one or two where you're like, oh, really, you guys tried something here. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't totally work.
0: Especially the late period ones feel very, like, rewritten on the fly. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, well... We just decided to get rid of this storyline, so these characters kind of vanish. But Skyfall is is like the unfor, unforgiven to me. It's like it is the reckoning with everything that's come before it. It sets it up for the future if they wanted to go that way. Uh, it's a shame Spectre didn't really fulfill the promise.
4: No, but it's still feature. It's still the kind of movie that features James Bond springboarding off of a Komodo dragon to get out of a pit. Like, it's still a James Bond movie. You know, it never... The fact that it never gives that up is just what makes it such a unique thing.
3: Right, and they film on location, or at least much of it is on location. They're in Istanbul, they're running on the train. You know, sometimes I just want to, like, see beautiful places. Part of the reason you're excited to get to Skyfall is because of those shots of Scotland and, you know, when the first band of... The Silva, oh, silva guys skies, arrive, yeah. and that shot of them just like walking across Incredible. the field—it's unbelievably War sky beautiful. Fall on
4: fire from afar, yeah. And a helicopter flying over, and all the that first shot when they're they're in that the sort of um, you know Asian kingdom and the yeah. like dragon, and you see it from far away like that, and the lanterns, yeah. All of that stuff is just so amazing. It's to look so at.
0: evocative. And It's transporting, but it also feels very like visceral because. All of these sequences wind up having like a very practical, lived-in feel to them, rather than rather than animation. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, should we get to the categories? Did you guys have any other like top notes you'd wanted to sound on on Skyfall? I mean, Daniel Craig is really my my. Oh yeah, we should talk about Craig. Really,
4: my entry into these movies in a serious way, and. I just think he's amazing, and I'm sad that this is going to be the last one yeah. I think it's we it's been said many times like what he brought to the part and how he changed it and we can talk about that. but um it's useful to have a legitimately great actor do this, stuff. yeah, and that just wasn't really true for most of the bonds. They were great movie performers, but not necessarily great actors. Connery is a great actor, but even at that time in his career he wasn't he hadn't quite built up. All, all of his
0: chops in this way. Was also, that was a different kind of thing. I yeah. mean, Bond movies were essentially, I think... They were obviously hugely popular and very important in England. But I think that the way we're talking about it's like they were kind of viewed, viewed as kind of like B movies yeah. and kind of fun. And sometimes they made the same movie again or they made another movie with like, once with yeah. Roger Moore and once with Sean Connery. So I think it's, it's like kind of like I, I love For Much With Love. I love You Only Live Twice. I love Dr. No. I mean, they're, they're all incredibly problematic in their own ways now. <laughs> but I really love those Connery movies precisely because they're so bite sized in a lot of ways. Yeah.
3: Yeah, their stakes are pretty small. Skyfall is Shakespearean, yeah, essentially, yeah. both in terms of the actual plot and and its scope and, and the type of performance that everyone is bringing to and it.
0: And also, I think it's worth noting with Craig, it's like they got two movies to sort of figure out how to make them with Craig. And then Skyfall, he convinces Mendes to do it after Mendes comes and sees him in a play. And he talks Mendes into making Skyfall. And that's the one where they're like, everybody is firing on all cylinders. And then it's Spectre when Craig is like, if I ever make another James Bond movie, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he is making another James yeah. Bond movie. So obviously, drop the bag. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that this is, you, you're really seeing the best of what this series can be in this movie. I completely agree. All right, let's get into categories. All right. This is, this is a really, really exciting, most rewatchable scene movie. But I tried to boil it down to five. Okay. Okay. And I tried to be a little bit more like tight about like scene versus sequence. Mm-hmm. But let's just okay. go through it. Okay. Um, so that be that. With that in mind, the Shanghai skyscraper shootout. Yeah. Yes. The new MI six Churchill's tunnels Bond training scene mm-hmm. of like the mm-hmm. you know word uh, association. association doing sit ups. While Rory Kinnear is trying to explain the state so, of the you're world. You're
4: thinking more sequence.
0: Yeah. Okay,
4: not scene.
0: No, I'm not talking because that was like, I think that's like okay. a montage essentially. So okay. I'm putting that together. Because
4: even the, even the, 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 you know, the, the tower sh- assassination. Right. And there's the Shanghai. fight and then
0: there's the elevator get, getting up. Well, yes. that's ha- that. Ha- are you talking about Macau?
4: Oh, okay. So there's yeah. okay. So you're talking about Get your, get your
0: ch- different parts of China together, uh, uh, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so the Shanghai skyscraper shootout. That's the scene Just I the was talking about. With the I was specifically, I'm allowing the MI6 uh in the, the new MI6 introduction to be a scene, even though that is essentially a sequence. Um Silva and Bond meet for the first time. The William Tell scene, the Javier Bardem M speech, all that stuff. The tube chase fucking amazing mm-hmm. and the church scene at the end so a lot of these are and we can go through this are,
4: and you are big are set add, PC yeah. sequences yeah. Right. right but I think that there are and I'm not saying that these are the best scenes but part of what makes me part of what connects me to the movie is some of the smaller stuff like the first meeting with Q
1: I'm your new quartermaster
4: you
1: mm-hmm. must be joking why because I'm not wearing a lab coat Because you still have spots. My complexion is hardly relevant. Your competence is. Age is no guarantee of efficiency. And youth is no guarantee of innovation. I'll hazard I can do more damage on my laptop sitting in my pyjamas before my first cup of Earl Grey than you can do in a year in the field. Oh, so why do you need me? Every now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard
4: to know which in your pajamas. Yeah. And they're looking at the Turner painting and they're talking and they're, you know, they're talking. I, I see in, an old ship. Yes, yeah. so they're talking in metaphor and cross purposes. It's really well-written dialogue. Yeah. Wishaw is really great as Q. And that's not a sequence in which a train bursts through the ground and almost kills Bond. Now, obviously, that's why you watch Bond movies. But what makes the, this movie special to me is the scenes like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would pitch that as one.
3: I have that on my list as well. What else is on your list? When she's doing Tennyson and she's Mm -hmm. reading it and then they just cut to Daniel Craig sprinting through London with, I think, one of the monuments. I think it's Big Ben in the background. And they're laying it on thick, Mm -hmm. but I find it so moving every time.
1: Just one more thing to say. My late husband was a great lover of poetry. And um, I suppose some of it sunk in despite my best intentions. And here today, I remember this. I think... From Tennyson. We are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find and not to yield.
3: Also, Daniel Craig like, is a fantastic movie runner. Might be number two behind <laughs> really Cruise. Tight. Yeah, and they're making that suit work yeah. for him. He's um, too bulky.
0: His limbs so are very short. I think that this movie came out a couple of months after the Olympics in in London, mm-hmm, and yeah. he his James Bond like as a character kicked off the Olympics in the yes. Danny Boyle opening sequence right. the queen. So it was a real time of uh, pride in this character, and and strangely pride in what he stood for, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. not always like the most. You know, not always the the, the the right thing to do. I think James yeah. Bond is on the had some questionable tactics,
4: no doubt. And one of my other favorite sequences that is mostly just dialogue is Mallory and M having a kind of philosophical conversation deeper into the movie, yeah, where they're talking about who the the enemy is, yeah, whether and it's in the shadows or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the shadows or yeah. not.
1: Prime Minister's ordered an inquiry. You'll have to appear. Oh, standing in the stocks at midday. Who's antiquated now? For Christ's sake, listen to yourself. We're a democracy and we're accountable to the people we're trying to defend. We can't keep working in the shadows. There are no more shadows. You don't get this, do you? Whoever's behind this, whoever's doing it, he knows us. He's one of us. He comes from the same place as Bond. The place you say doesn't exist. The shadows.
4: That. Is also just hugely metaphorical about how you wage a war on terror, on what it means to be nationalistic, on what the rights of a government are to exceed its own power. Like, it's pretty cool stuff. And obviously, then that gets reflected in the the court scene later in the yeah. film. But, you know, all of that little stuff working as well as it does. Like, I don't know if you guys have watched Quantum of Solace recently, and I rewatched it, and it's like, there's nothing like that no, in that movie. No. Like, there are no, and partially because that movie was written during the writer's strike, but there's nothing that has that kind of Christmas, that kind of, like deep thinking about what these movies mean so i I, that's probably my only other like dialogue sequence aside from silva stuff
3: i have two more suggestions one is dialogue ish but Mm -hmm. it's the it's the first part of the skyfall sequence when he's there with kincaid with albert finney and they're he's they're making their plans and they're talking about what's going to happen and daniel craig has that iconic line of
2: some men are coming to kill us we're going to kill them first then we'd better get ready.
3: I think the Kincaid character does a lot with a little. Yeah. And is, but it is people talking to each other and there's real chemistry. And But that's like
0: right out of Eastwood. That's the coolest yeah, thing about like no, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
3: And then I think I would be remiss if I didn't do, once they're on top of the train mm-hmm. uh, and they're just like fighting each other just <laughs> on top of a train, I find that pretty... Uh, accessible as far as action sequences go. Yeah, and like, he
0: gets in the excavator and he's yeah. like trying to like... And
3: then when he finally jumps down into the train and just like adjusts his his um, sleeve. Yeah. That's that's some great James Bond shit. <sighs> it's, Let's
0: be real. I'm trying to remember the first time I, I watched this movie because that, that whole part up until when he gets shot, but even through that whole part, like the whole Istanbul sequence... Feels very like typical Bond. It's like Bond in two or three different vehicles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. assisted by Money not We don't know that at that point, but she's they're having great banter. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, what was that? And she was like, VW Beatles, I, I think, you know? <laughs> right. um, and then it just changes on a dime when, when M orders her to take the shot, which is th- that kind of, I think that's in this trailer. And it, it obviously cues the great Adele song. Yes. And it's, it's, it really is one of the first pivot points of the movie, though. It's so genius though.
4: But the stuff that is the traditional Bond stuff, even in that sequence, that opening scene, when he's riding through his thin bowl on that narrow walkway on a motorcycle, yeah. mm-hmm. is just one of those things that's like it's not logical. You would never take a motorcycle into that space. You'd never pitch a motorcycle chase there, but it's just it's shot so well, it looks so cool. Um, I don't it's like a it's very high wire act yeah. level of action. Well, motivating. the movie is just
0: so good at indulging in cliches. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, how many fucking car chases have we seen right. through food markets?
3: Listen, anytime people are running on roofs through Europe, I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> I just like just do it every time and I am in. Yes. So thank you.
0: Um So what is your what is your pick for this category? I don't I think this is a category of one. It's just gotta be the Silva intro. Yes. Yeah. Mommy yeah. Let's was talk there. Bad. Mommy was very bad scene. <laughs> let's talk about this a little bit. There are some great scenes where they're great because of where they happen in the story or they're great because they're so surprising or they're great because of a piece of camera work like the Copacabana scene in Goodfellas like you wouldn't necessarily remember that but it's the music and the camera movement and everything else and then there are scenes that you can tell that the people making the movie know what they've got in their hands and mm-hmm. I don't know what the backstory is for this or who wrote this particular uh, speech or how they staged it or how they decided where they were going to set it all that stuff but the fact that he shoots it, that Mendy shoots it the way it is with Deacons, where it's just right behind Bond's shoulder. This guy comes down in an elevator and from about 40 feet away starts talking. They knew what they had. And it's so great that they just let us have it. They don't, they don't get in the way. We don't get to see what he looks like until he's sort of arriving at the conclusion of the Rats on the Island story. And he completely fucks this movie up so hard. It is like, put me in a tin drum and feed me coconut (laughs) and then make me become the rat eater. It is unreal how good he is in this scene.
2: Hello, James. Welcome. Do you like the island? (laughs) My grandmother had an island. Nothing to boast of. You could walk around it in an hour. But still, it it was a paradise for us. One summer... We went for a visit and discovered the place had been infested with rats. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorged themselves on coconut. So how do you get rats off an island? My grandmother showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Then we wired coconut to the lid as bait and the rats would come for the coconut. And pong, 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 pong. They would fall into the drum. And after a month, You've trapped all the rats. But what do you do then? Throw the drum into the ocean? Burn it? You no. Know? You just leave it. And they begin to get hungry. And one by one, they start eating each other. Until there are only two left. The two survivors. And then what? Do you kill them? No. You take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. You have changed their nature. The two survivors, this is what she made us.
4: It's also a very good inversion. You know, a lot of times in, in James Bond movies, you have to wait until the end for the villain to give their big speech. That's what the movie is leading to. And it became such a cliche that movies like Austin Powers parodied it till no end. And like the explaining the big plot while waiting for the sharks to eat yes. Bond when he's hanging over some sort of crazy I'm going pool to kill you slow, Mr. Yes. Bond. <laughs> like that that happens right here. Yes. Like in the first act of the movie, basically. Yeah. It's the end of the first act of the movie. And we get this guy doing this already. And then, you know, Silva is so good and he's such a useful character that he gets to have basically two more of these. Mm-hmm. Um but this one is like it's just playwriting like that's what that's what it is like one big long speech metaphor monologue that tells you everything you need to know about the character right like that's the whole
0: but point they of the, the they bit. add the spice of being like is he sexually attracted to bond sure. is is there the, some sort of pr- fraternal relationship between yeah. them
4: is it brotherhood is it is it is it Go something off, physical well, no, i
3: just I, I wonder so much about how this performance came together and I, you know i'm very curious what scene they did first or like mm. the... The moment yeah. when everyone's like, "Oh, this is what he's doing. yes. um and and I wonder whether it's before this so they know to just kind of lean in and like let him fly. But, yeah, at the same time, the rat speech itself is just like excellent screenwriting. I do wonder whether the unbuttoning is in the script or whether that's just hard. It kind of feels like it's just Javier Bardem is bringing it. Yes. And everyone's just along for the ride. And you even see Daniel Craig like really (laughs) lights up. He is like more into that than he has
0: been to any Bond girl (laughs) since Eva
3: Green. Javier
0: Bardem is the greatest Bond girl. (laughs) (laughs) basically is.
3: But it just, Chris, I think you said already, it just completely tilts the movie mm-hmm. on its axis. You've, you're watching one really well-done Bond movie. And, you know, even there it has some themes and you're like, oh, this is about <sighs> End of Empire and getting old and all of all of the Bond stuff that we know. And then in comes this wackadoo person <laughs> yes. who is like both very funny and really destabilizing. He is definitely more unsettling than most other Bond villains. Yeah. While also just really being really appealing like
2: all
0: this stuff about him telling him the truth you know and just being like
2: medical evaluation fail physical evaluation fail psychological evaluation alcohol and substance addiction indicated oof pathological rejection of authority based on unresolved childhood trauma Subject is not approved for field duty and immediate suspension from service advised.
0: It just feels so alive with this like Freudian fucked up, like, who are these guys? And the fact that they actually don't, and we're going to talk a lot about this, but that they don't dot all the I's and cross all the T's with Silva and and explain like, well, this is exactly what she, she brushes it aside with one line where she's like, he was my agent in Hong Kong. He got caught hacking the Chinese and I wanted to have a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. So I basically let him go. Yeah. The other thing that's so
4: interesting about the character is it kind of just sees the future. It's a it's a mo- a lot of Bond movies are about like hacking the world, but not hacking individual people. And mm-hmm. the idea of James Bond being hacked in real time in 2012, that and that being the highest form of terrorism. The idea of MI6 being infiltrated in this way with this technology is like pretty close to where we are right Mm -hmm. now. The same sort of fears that we have about people having our information and using it to ill-gotten gains is like pretty – is not going to expire anytime soon. And making that really his primary focus as a villain is kind of fascinating because obviously he's motivated by revenge and this kind of, you know, like you guys are saying, both this Freudian and Shakespearean tale of I have to kill my mom and I have to kill everybody who loves my mom. but. Beyond that, there's just, like, a technocracy aspect to the story that is different from, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is going to torture you until you tell him the code so that he can get money. Right. Like, most of these movies are about just getting money and getting power. And then this is something different. How
0: much of this is also the, the setting? And the fact that, like, they found this... I mean, it's based on an island off of Nagasaki, actually. But it is... They shot it in Macau. But the idea that this guy scared everyone off of an island with a fake Mm -hmm. chemical leak. And now they're in this weird, it seems almost like French colonial, abandoned post-industrial island. And so this whole thing is happening in this faded ghost town.
3: Right. Which in a lot of ways parallels what Bond is doing for the first... Twenty or thirty mm-hmm. minutes of the movie because he also like quote dies and it is enjoying death and gets to do the weird
0: scorpion. Oh, we didn't trick. talk about the scorpion, Love the scorpion
3: scene. scene. That's oh, it's so good. that's a great
0: one. So I a full
3: scene. I have, but... I have some
0: nitpicks. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Not buying it? Uh just uh, the idea of like keeping a low pro, and you're like <laughs> the British guy in Istanbul on like a Turkish beach, just scorpion yeah. tricks. It's, it's like a... that would go viral. Dog, come yeah. on. <laughs> that's a
3: great point. It's really valid. But you know, I th- sick
0: scorpion <laughs> trick at Turkish bar. Like and subscribe, dude. Perfect <laughs> presents James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> I think the chive grabs that one. Okay. Yeah. Oh
3: my god. In 2012, yes. Okay, but you know, aside from that, the Silva character is mirroring the Bond character in so many ways, and it's just yeah. and it and it is both like a there but for the grace of God go I, but also just kind of gives you an entirely different perspective on who these guys are and what their lives are like and, you know, to what ends are they doing whatever they're doing? Because ultimately, you know, Silva has some mommy issues, but it's just like a lone wolf operating to his ends. And you could say the same thing about James Bond or any of those operatives.
0: Sure. Um. Let's talk a little bit about, do we want to talk a little bit about the tube chase? Do we need to break down any of these scenes, the tube chase and the church scene?
4: Amanda's been saying something to me recently on a couple of shows we've done, which is like, I don't totally understand action. I explain like good action movie making to me. And I've been thinking about it and I don't really have good answers. Um, I I think that most of the James Bond movies are not the version of action that I like. And even Sam Mendes movies, and I think that there's like a whole team of people that work on Bond movies and mm-hmm. design these sequences. And they have to, they don't necessarily have to keep topping themselves, but they have to keep reaching the well, same Well, it, it, They do,
0: mm-hmm. they are sort of, At this point, I think they do have Mission Impossible-itis where they're like, shit, we have to like, if he's going to hang on to a bottom of a helicopter in this one, what are we going to do next? And I felt like that started with Brosnan. I feel like the Brosnan
4: movies were the first time where I was like, oh, they're trying to like also turn him into an Olympic athlete in some way. And I think that the action sequence in this movie are good, but mostly because of how they look, not because of the sense that they make. Um, I think it's a really good shootout. At the end, mm-hmm. I think if you like look at the choreography of the way that the shootout is cut, it's pretty coherent. Sometimes sequences like that in dark places, sure. at oh, night, okay. yeah. a lot of gunfire. mechanics of it don't make any it's sense. It's really yeah. hard to make people understand what's happening in a sequence. But I don't know that it's like, I, to me, the gold standard is the Mission Impossible movies on this stuff right now, where they are simultaneously mega wow, hold your breath, Tom Cruise jumps out of a plane stuff, but also hand-to-hand combat is as good as in any movie that you can find. So they're not like the very best, mm-hmm. but they're good enough that you are constantly engaged. They're pro- right. they're usually better when they're chases as opposed to fights. The one exception is one of the scenes that you mentioned, which is the shadow fight in the tower. Yes. Which is unbelievable. Yes. Which is some of the most beautiful fight sequences you've ever seen. 1, yeah. I mean it, it
3: with the jellyfish projections in yes. the background and the shadow. Yeah, no, it's amazing.
4: That stuff is that's why that should be that should be in the National Gallery. That's yeah. so good.
0: What, tell me about what you why you think you like these action sequences more than the I, standard. I
3: think I use the word accessible already, but they're really legible to me. At some point, I realized that like action sequ- sequences are just a film language, like anything else. And Chris, you will uh, appreciate this. I think Sean and I talked about Spider Verse and animated movies uh-huh. at great length, and my breakthrough was just like I don't know how to watch these. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't scan to me. I don't speak the language. Sure, and I think it's a similar ish thing for some action movies, like, that I just, it, this sounds really simple, but my brain doesn't always know where to look, or Mm -hmm. it kind of wanders, but there is something that is grounded about most of the Bond things, right? Like, I understand they're, they're on a train, and they're punching each other, and they're running and trying to avoid a subway train. Mm -hmm. There is something that, I don't really have to worry about the the camera angles. They just, they're pretty. Mm. They make sense.
0: It's just pursuit like, rather exactly, than exactly. like either Pacific Rim. What the fuck is that going on right now? Mm-hmm. And also, it emerges out of a reality like. They are running through rush hour London, like Ben Wishaw says. Like he's at the Temple stop with all of London, you know. And like, of course, Ben Wishaw easily finds Silva, like on his camera. Like, there's all sorts of like movie magic crap, but there's something about it. Like you're saying, it's like it feels like you could see a guy run past you on a street, and that is basically the scene you're seeing. You know, it's not like oh, like, these are two robots fighting, like, across an ocean.
3: Right. I think there's also just, I understand the narrative purpose and the Mm -hmm. stakes of them. At some point, especially in action movies that are action movies, it's just an excuse for people to fight.
4: You know, it's funny you say that, because I don't find that that's always true for Bond movies. Like, in rewatching Casino Royale, there's that whole big opening sequence in Uganda, Mm
0: -hmm. and
4: Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea what anybody is trying to do. Like, I don't know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. I don't know what they're in pursuit of. Like... Sometimes these movies explain it and sometimes they don't. This one does because it's very elegantly done and there's a lot a lot of time and effort and thought put behind why. But a lot of James Bond movies I find it because it's hitting the rhythm of set piece, pursuit, mystery, seduction, set piece, pursuit, mystery, seduction like that if they have this kind of I don't know this train set that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. And this is the rare one where all that stuff actually is there, but it makes sense, and it's clear to me like what everyone's motivation is, and maybe mm-hmm. that's ultimately the problem. Like, with Cruz jumping out of a plane, I'm like, well, he's got to get out of that plane. When somebody's being chased, I'm like, well, what does that person have, and why? And why is this important? Mm-hmm. And who is that? And will they be back in the movie? Or are they going to die right now? A lot of times, <laughs> the person that is being chased is like, it's shot by Bond. That's one of the cool things, too, about the Daniel Craig ones. I'll Sometimes he'll just kill someone, Yes, and Emma's is yeah. like, wait, you weren't supposed to kill that person. And you know, like,
0: too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom. Which is different. There's also a lot of surprises in, these, in, in this movie specifically. Yeah. I mean, even when they go to Scotland, you're like, where the fuck is he taking her? You know what I mean? I know the movie's right. called Skyfall. There's probably like shots of Scotland in the trailer or whatever, but I remember them getting out of London and him him b- basically being like, "I'm we've been behind too long. Like where you have to, we now we have to go on the attack. I'm going to take him where we can be strong. And you're just kind of like, well, where's is, where is that? Are you going to go yeah. to Jamaica? Are you going to go to, and it's like, no, he's driving up the A9. Like, this is nuts. Mm. Um, all right, so that's the what do we say is the best, most rewatchable scene? Rats. Rats has to be the Sylvie intro. Okay. What's age the best? I have a couple of nominations, but I think there's a bunch of difference. I number one, Judy Dench literally has aged the best. Yeah. Um, what a performance from her in this movie. Seventy seven years old. When yes, she gave it. Uh, it, and winds up just being that best of British acting where it's like just just does just enough. Mm-hmm. There's just enough to give it like a little bit of extra meaning and depth and, and, and emotion, but never is like I'm taking this scene over and has a stature and a gravitas so that if she's standing over six coffins, you're like, this is fucking important.
3: Oh, that that shot. That's, that's a really, that shot's in the trailer and I remember seeing yes. it just being like, oh, oh shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Judy Dench literally Adele's song. All time jam. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have the locations because this is a a very good and sensible group of. Sometimes bond locations are, it's like inside a volcano, (laughs) downtown Tokyo. And California. <laughs> right. You know, there's like movies where you're yeah. just like, how the fuck did you even get there? This is like, sure, Istanbul, London. It's very
4: London-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these movies are not as London-centric. No, this, yeah. this well, felt this very is... like Board of Tourism. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Well,
3: it's also, I mean, that's the major theme of the movie. Yes. Yeah.
4: Also, I guess one thing we didn't say about it that feels important to that in particular is this was the 50th anniversary of the Bond movies and mm-hmm. there was this all of this kind of hubbub that the Broccoli family put around that announcement. So I wonder if... That was part of the thinking and designing the movie, was like, let's remind people that this is about a British spy who's from Scotland. Yes. Mm-hmm. That that was that's really the origin of this. And so and, the movie you know, begins and, here yeah.
0: and ends here. And it that the the scene where I one of my favorite Dench moments is when they he's he's on the run with her and he and she's just like, they come to the garage and she's like, if you expect me to, I'm not gonna spend the night here. And he's <laughs> yeah. just like, no. And he opens it up and the Aston Martin's there. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, so this isn't ostentatious at all. Yeah. You know, like, uh, what else is age the best?
3: Waning Empire.
0: Just still waning. Stay still waiting. waning.
3: Related British government like not knowing what to do, <laughs> yeah. and just a bunch of ministers being like, I'd like to talk some more to you.
4: Brexit, James uh, yeah. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um movies about middle-aged men being washed up and confronting <clears throat> their life. Just a very on trend for 2019. Yeah, you can relate. Yeah. Um the cast, as I just think. Yeah. He, not a wrong person.
0: No, there's it? not a single like, it, yeah. like error made in this right. movie. Yeah.
3: Um, and the, the deacons of it all. Yeah. I mean, it has, it looks, it, so it looks
0: if, a movie, if this movie came out today, I'd be like, this is cutting edge shit. Yeah. This is like, this is gorgeous. It, has not, it doesn't look dated at all.
4: I think the idea of casting a prestige person to make a franchise movie is uh, aging quite well. Mm-hmm. There were not a lot of examples of this before this happened. And I think in a lot of ways, and Mendy's was at a weird point. He had just made Away We Go, which was oh God, his least successful that. movie starring John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. And after coming off of American Beauty, massive hit, Best Picture winner, The Road to Perdition, probably one of the most underrated movies of the 21st century. Um, you know, he's, he's on this like steady pace, Jarhead, Revolutionary Road. He's got this head of steam as a kind of prestige filmmaker. Not every movie works, but most of them do. And then Away We Go comes out. Bricks. Mm-hmm. It's just a failure. doesn't really work for anybody involved. And he kind of retreats to theater a little bit. Yeah, and There's like that whole mm-hmm. New Yorker article
0: about him, right?
3: Yeah. I, th- I mean, it's after this, but okay. it's definitely, it's about, it's written by John Lahren. It's New, about New Yorker went
0: ham on this movie because there's a, there's also a Jez Butterworth profile, which doesn't do a lot of Bond, but mentions casually that he's working on Spectre while it's like while Jerusalem is kind of like mm-hmm. in its, its full heyday there. Yeah,
4: because I think that this movie lived up to something that people wanted James Bond to be in a way. Because he he the character emanates class, but the movies kind of don't. Yeah, The movies are kind of schlocky. Like you said, they're kind of B-movie. You know, well, they're some a volume play. That's others. the thing. It's like but they yeah. had
0: to re-engineer this movie to be an event. I mean, I think that the Bond movies in totality are seen as like a really big deal. But if you watch any one of them on their own... Like in some of some of those yeah. movies, like the big action sequence is James Bond punches a guy and then he eats a cyanide pill and he's like, "Oh, I couldn't question him," <laughs> and then that's that's it. That's it. Okay.
4: <laughs> but yeah, I just think bringing somebody like Mendes in it leads to things like Ryan Coogler to does Creed and Black Panther mm-hmm. instead of trying to pursue a sort of haughty prestige project, and that's pretty significant to where
0: movies are at. Right and yeah, it's worth noting yeah. that a bunch of other directors have dabbled with it or maybe just thought they were going to do one. So Quentin Tarantino was always rumored to have wanted to do a Bond movie. Danny Boyle was on the most recent Bond movie and left. I think there's been some other, like Nolan has, They, they, I think they would just basically like break the bank for Nolan, but the producers of the Bond movies are pretty hands-on. The other thing too is that, um, well, there's a, there's a
4: couple things there. One, Christopher Nolan doesn't make movies for not Warner Brothers, so mm-hmm. this isn't a Warner Brothers movie. But mo- more specifically, Mendy's just very openly lifted a lot of the yeah. Dark Knight aesthetic yeah. for these movies. I mean, I, the two movies that he made, and it, I think Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight movies are also a commentary on James Bond if you look at them from One Direction, but mm-hmm. that elevated darkness that was important to those movies, Mendes is, is manipulating and playing with. And that idea of like an orphan who has to avenge sins is like, that's not a mistake that those characters have so much in common.
0: What else is age best?
3: Uh the sweater that Ben Wishaw wears <laughs> yes. the climactic scene. I believe it's Drew Let's, can we Noten. talk
0: briefly about some of your favorite outfits in this movie?
3: Yeah. I mean, the Daniel Craig suits are obviously th- the fit is, I mean like the literal fit, not in like the slang, you know. I only recently learned that the slang fit is like short for outfit, just FYI. That's where I am <laughs> in my life.
0: Talking about aging empire. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
3: Anyway, the like the literal way the suits are cut um, is tremendous uh-huh. and allows for movement while also just—I mean—he looks so handsome. I really think Wishaw is bringing a lot to every scene, but that uh, that sweater at the end,
0: his th- little parka that he wears in the museum. Oh yeah, that's yeah. very
3: cute. Um, I you know, Money Penny is like business casual uh-huh. is nice for her. And who am I forgetting? I, I mean, you have to love the barber jackets and all this stuff. Oh my gosh, this this Scotland, the final Skyfall look that James Bond scarf. is wearing. Yes, yeah. and the and the
0: boots. You're forgetting an important one, which is that there is maybe only one person in the history of humanity who could ever wear that tracksuit that he wears when he's oh, training. Yes,
3: oh, it's so good. Where
0: it's like that is actually like probably made out of like the kind of wool that most suits are made out of, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and it is it is what like. Guys at Oxford used to wear in 1952 when they would take in the air or do chariots of fire. And he's just in 2012 rocking that with like low top Adidas with no performance boosters or just no like air technology. He's just like, this is how Rod Laver trained and it's how I will train.
3: I couldn't agree with this more. I, I, You're probably aware that fashion sweatpants are making have made a comeback. But they make you but look like they you're... They look terrible. Yeah. Everyone needs to watch this movie. Your sweatpants should fit the way that Daniel Craig's sweatpants fit in the yes, MI6 you monster. shouldn't
0: look like you yes. work in the Ad Astra moon base. Yes.
3: Agree.
4: One other thing that's aged well is um this is Albert Finney's last performance yeah. in a movie. and uh, You don't want to talk about tracksuits? I just don't. That's not really my look. <laughs> it's Do you not like really... the dre
3: sweater? I actually think that you could pull Yeah, that that's off.
4: nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't quite have the lank that Wishaw has you know you really need a lot of lank to make you so, have so a fair like amount of lank to be quite
3: honest we don't need to make this about it
4: like maybe do, not but... enough though you know okay. he's, a, he's. we, we a, don't he's, live in the climate for it we'll a, never know he's five pipe cleaners strung together you know that's that's really <laughs> uh, but yeah Albert Finney is just an amazing actor and there's like the perfect kind of a role for a guy at his age and with his career to do because he is like a father figure to this vision of this old Scotland and old England and Shakespearean movie acting and all these things that he's well known for
0: yeah Okay. Those are some good ways. What age the best? What do you think is the winner there, Ad- Adele? God, I think the song.
3: That song is fire. I, uh, that's,
0: that's got the highest approval rating. So yeah. let's go with Adele's song, Wins ways. best. Oscar winner. What's say's the worst? A couple of nominees. You mentioned this earlier. I don't mind the hacking as a plot point. Mm-hmm. The hacking's pretty stupid in this movie. <laughs>
3: I, I also have this down.
0: Both, I think we had gotten further along in HTML so I don't necessarily think it would have been the animation that Silva would be sending around would not be as like kind of like like Pac-Man Ghost comes and eats your eats your empire. I actually I kinda
3: see. liked the stylized part. And of that.
0: also, God bless her, 77 years old. Maybe M shouldn't be the head of the security services if she's like, I got this message and it says click me. So I clicked it. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what undid Hillary Clinton or whatever. I mean, but like <laughs> Joe Biden, Donald Trump, sure. Yeah. Bernie Sanders. But when she's like sitting in her apartment, po- we already know that her laptop politics. is a point well, of real contention. Sure. When she's sitting in her lovely apartment and is like sitting there with her laptop looking at her James Bond file and gets hacked. She's like, I am being hacked. And it says, Click here for more information about how you're you're getting fucked up. And she clicks it. I mean, like, do better, Judy Dench.
3: Let me say, at least she's seventy-seven. She has an excuse. No, she doesn't. Wish I have- No,
0: but wish does is the oh, yeah. same and thing. And then wish gets owned like, later. Oh no! Let me unplug the computer because I've been hacked. And he's like, no one can hack me because I invented hacking.
3: Right. And right. then they and just it's like, like, oh no,
0: I literally
4: opened the jail. plug the machine
3: <laughs> into their mainframe.
4: Yeah. The problem with making anything having to do with your computer a part of your story is it's just inherently uncinematic. Yes, There's just nothing interesting about watching somebody watch a screen. And that's not what you want from James Bond. You know, you want it to be bigger than that, more elevated than that. But
0: it's also funny when, like, there's a moment where Daniel, James Bond, whose bloodstream is probably 75% gin, or vodka, rather, is, like, looking at the screen of, like, you know, like, opaque code. It's like and he's stop. Like, yeah,
3: it's so weird.
0: And it's like what are you? F-? That part is weird. Yeah. It's and like it's so like Ben a Wishaw s- doesn't understand this
3: subway station. And he's like, and oh, he's like oh yeah,
0: that's an unused subway station. I, I know where to go now.
3: And that no, no, and then they enter the code, and then it just becomes a bunch of red lines. And he's like, it's a map of London. Yeah. And I'm just like, is it?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, in terms of
4: that has an age 12
3: And also, like, Ben Wishaw has to just stand in the middle of that HQ, like, explaining how he's, like, laying trails in the hackies that the hacking man is doing. And he's trying so hard. He's a tremendous actor, but, you know, the the script isn't there. I agree with that. In terms of making the hacking cinematic, I think it's a very beautiful headquarters and screen situation. And I also, just to go back briefly to the first Silva scene, I guess those are servers that are, like, along the wall. Yes. Like, that. That, that is the most like, that's like sculpture. Those I'm not most sure beautiful they have they Yeah. You've ever seen those are not functional at all. That's yes. not how the internet works. I'm not even sure they God get a really good signal out there on the yeah, abandoned Macau exactly. Islands. Yeah. But they're trying, they're making art <laughs> he, out of hacking. He's got
0: like 3G out there. He's like, hold on, I gotta, it's gonna take a few minutes to download your files. Anyway, you wanna talk about boning some more? Yeah. The, <laughs> gotta go back into airplane mode and uh, then pop out. Here's a, I forgot this about the rats too. You know, like while I'm waiting for this to download. <laughs> (laughs) We named one rat. No, it's like... The other thing that I have did did not age the worst, and I'm not here to cancel James Bond. Yeah. But I was just thought we could talk a little bit about Severine. Yeah, I have that down as well. Severine, classic Bond girl. Yeah. She lives as she dies, quickly and naked. (laughs) But her being like, I'm a Macau sex worker. Right, and then... And then him being like, cool, my response is to sneak up on you in the shower. Yeah. And then... Quickly discard you when we get to this villain's island. It is not a good look. Yeah, it's not what you want. It's not (laughs) It really jumped
4: out at me last time I watched it when he's (laughs) like, I'm going to sneak attack you in the shower after you told me that you're a survivor of a sex ring is pretty wild. I
3: also wrote this down. I think we all agree. It feels like two
0: different writers. One was like, there's this whole thing we could do with like Macau sex trade and then they were like, "Cool." And he was like, "Okay, great. I'm going to go work on Prometheus." And then somebody else came in and was like, "An M Bond Bonzer." Yeah, it's not
4: it, to me. It's not about Bond being a cat or whatever. Like, that's great. That's a, a essential part of the character. Yes. It doesn't yes. really matter. It's more like because the movie is so purposeful about raising the stakes on everything and putting intentionality and emotion behind it, making her character a sex slave is part of that. Well, he says, "Also, real world implications."
0: He says, "I can help you," and he immediately is like, "But first, take me to." Uh, international villain Raul Silva's island right? where you probably will not get out of there. And then he ch- shoots her in the head. Yes. I mean, it's
4: really, yeah, it's rough. I mean, I, I actually was, I was looking at Berenice Marlowe's filmography after watching the movie again and she hasn't really done a lot, but she's pretty good. That sequence in the bar when they're talking she's great. is actually mm-hmm. really quite good and I think she's a good actress. I was surprised that she didn't have like a bigger career after this.
3: Yeah. this this shower scene is the really tough part of it. Even I think Sean, the point that it's about trauma, this movie more generally, is, like, perceptive. And the the sex trade part of it fits in. There's just no justifying, you know, five minutes later. And they already have a sex scene in the movie. Like, he has a yeah. great time in Turkey before the school. He could also situation. just be sleeping yeah. with
0: Muddy Penny if you wanted. To. I mean, like, it's, yeah. they get pretty intimate. So I understand, like, it's just like the sexual tension of their relationship right. is what's the thing there. But I
4: think it even would have been fine if he just, like, knocked on her door and she opened the door and they started kissing. And you were like, okay, they're going to have sex now. But the, like, sneaking up on her thing, I'm like, yeah. I, did we, did it have to be this way? <laughs>
0: it's just really weird. Did anything else age the worst for you guys?
3: That's it. I had two things on my list:
0: <laughs> imperialism. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that
3: was well. You know, I'm not I'm, critiquing it. I'm
4: not wild about Naomi Harris's Money Penny. I just yeah, don't I think she. I don't it. think they have like a ton of chemistry. She's not like a bad Money well, Penny. Well, they but-
0: they also like. I think that there's like this idea in the beginning of the movie that it's like Money Penny as an action hero, and even maybe like in the back of their minds, I know they've been talked about a little bit about a Money Penny spinoff. spin-off yeah, and then it's sort of like her eventual arrival at administrative work is like the fulfillment of her becoming the yeah. old money penny character right. but it's supposed to be cool but you're also like okay
3: it's just a tonally weird she's a little jaunty she's doing different line readings yeah, than yeah. everybody else it's That's almost cool. like she's doing like girl yeah. power money penny i was gonna save her for whatever the overacting category is called now i forget we change it every three months but um <laughs> no one's really overacting Great. what we do <laughs> but no one's really overacting in this movie it's a pretty sedate movie mm. and then she's just kind of like I've got some banter. Yeah. It's like, okay, but this isn't a 40 screwball comedy. It's like, everyone's really depressed.
0: That's what I was feeling too. It yeah. just feels like she's in a different movie. So Severine, what's age of the worst? Yes. That plot line yeah. is a little okay. tough. Yeah. Casting what ifs. Really only one to speak of, but it's a pretty big one. Uh, they were in discussions with Sean Connery to play Kincaid. And they eventually decided that the stunt casting would take people out of the movie. And I think that is the right decision. I agree. So shout out to you, Sam Mendes and Barbara Broccoli. There's another one. I
4: think, I think Kevin Spacey was originally approached to play Mallory. To play really? M. Yeah. Yikes. Because Sam Mendy's obviously directed him in American Beauty.
0: I did not know that. And that would have been a different movie. And, that would and have been Mallory has really now it's it's gone different. on to have, like, obviously he's M, you yeah. know? So yeah.
3: I love having Ray Fines. God, somewhere. he is
0: fucking good.
3: He's
4: just tremendous. But he's, he is the thing that Judy Dench is not. We're, this is a sedate movie, and I think everybody is operating at a fairly mild level. But Ray Fines loves to chew. He loves to chew on the scenery and he's chewing on the scenery in every mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not afraid to be like this big hunk of script that I can bite into. No, he's and just like, yeah. well,
0: buggered. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> but that's good. I don't. I Do you think the Connery thing would have been distracting? Yes. Yes. I also haven't seen Sean Connery in 15 years, so I don't know like what's right. how, how he's doing. It and just I, makes it I don't think anybody wants to see like old fading Sean Connery just for five seconds. Still alive. Yeah. The man is still alive. Yes.
3: It's just it, it's also
0: he goes to Wimbledon, right?
3: Uh, I don't, I don't think, know if I've seen him there in a little while. I don't
4: think he's been in public for a few years. Yeah. Okay,
3: but it's just kind of, and I mean this in the kindest way possible. But having Sean Connery in there is sort of like the Marvel and inter- interconnecting universe of it all. Yeah. And yeah. James Bond movies are not that for better and for worse. I
0: have a much, I have a lot of questions to ask you about. This. Yes, as somebody, but when, when we get yeah, to internet okay. research, I have a okay. lot of questions to ask you about the universe. So uh, a man mentioned it's not a casting what if, but it is a behind the scenes what if is released the Peter Morgan cut.
3: Release the peter morgan cut though I, listen as this as a disciple of peter morgan yes. there's a lot of peter morgan in this movie yeah even i'm like with all respect to everyone who i know definitely put a lot of work into this but in the dna and in the ideas it just is is of a piece it's
0: of a work. cool situation though where you get it, it does sound like just reading the making ofs and the read i mean everybody sort of sings from the same same hymn book but people seem to be like it really is collaborative and it really is trying to make the best Bond movie and it's a bunch of people coming. It's not like I wrote my version of Bond and they fucked it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people trying different things. Uh, let's do the Dion Waiters Award for over uh, for doing the most with the least. It's the Heat Check Award. Hmm. I, I mean, so, so basically, are, like, is Bard, does Bardem qualify? And if no. not, I think it's fines, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, but you could also make a case for uh, Finney and Wishaw.
0: I would go Wishaw there. Where would you go?
4: I like Wishaw too. Yeah, I think he's a good reinvention for Q. Okay. And Q is historically older than Bond, right? right? So I think the idea of making him younger was kind of a novel thing. And he's also like, everybody in this movie is basically overqualified
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the oh,
4: movie. F- hell yeah. Um, and Wishaw is definitely among them. And okay. this is right when he's starring on that show, The Hour,
0: that BBC show. It's a tremendous show. Great show. Yeah. least um, season three of The Hour. Did they shoot it and not put it out?
3: No, but, I mean, make it. Release release the Snyder
0: Cut of season three of The (laughs) Hour. How about that? Okay, Dion Waiter's award goes to Ben Wishaw. Congratulations, Ben. Uh, Apex Mountain. Is it Daniel Craig's Apex Mountain? I I would argue, yes. Opens the Olympics, stars in a $1 billion James Bond movie that is considered the best James Bond movie ever. Now, has he done enough with it? Amanda and I have seen a movie called Knives Out. He's pretty great in
4: Knives Out. It's not quite the same level of,
3: yeah, but objectively, power. objectively, it's not the same amount of power. It's just him using his power to just do Southern accents mm-hmm. in every movie he can for that's, the next decade. Which respect <laughs> to my man, married Rachel Weisz, and was just like, now I only speak in a Virginia accent. Right. Okay, that's, go with it. But in terms of actually having power, I think it has to be Skyfall.
0: Yeah, Daniel Craig, Apex Mountain, Sam Mendes. I would. Probably say this was an earlier point for Mendes, like coming out of American Beauty, doing Jarhead. I think he was like kind of a bigger deal then. I think it's um, it's right after American Beauty.
4: Yeah, he does Road to Perdition and that, American Beauty made like four hundred million dollars? Yes, that's cr- pretty crazy to think about, and won all the all the Oscars.
0: I don't particularly remember seven years ago Javier Bardem. It being like now it's Javier Bardem's time. Any more so than it was in 2007 when he did No Country for Old Men. So it, it's hard for me to say this is like his apex mountain. I almost feel like this was like him being like, I can still do this if I want to.
3: Yeah. I think you have to say objectively that after he wins the Oscar for No Country, that's, that's it. his apex mountain.
0: I definitely agree with that.
4: I'm just looking at what he did. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is an interesting run. He goes No Country for Old Men, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Very good Woody Allen movie we're not allowed to talk about anymore. We're allowed
3: um, to talk about it. It's good.
4: In Ritu's Beautiful, which was, Kind of, kind of roasted mm-hmm. upon release. He was in uh, Eat, Pray, Love.
3: Yeah, you guys he was. remember that? <laughs> <laughs> He's the like, guy at the end, right?
4: Uh, yeah, Felipe. I and uh, good for her. And then Skyfall, and then To the Wonder, and then The Counselor, which is the greatest performance in the history of movies. I mean, actually, that's his apex mountain. That is the apex mountain of all apex mountains. It's pretty much that's pretty much it for him. I really enjoyed him
0: in Mother.
3: He's oh, great. Yeah, in I mother. forgot about that.
0: Javier Bardem, great career. He's tremendous. Yeah. Just also married to
3: Penelope Cruz. Shout yeah. out to him. He's just wonderful.
0: <sighs> okay, so let me... Uh, oh, actually, let's do Joey Pants first. The Joey Pants Award. I was trying to think of a British character actor to rename this after for this particular go-around of the Joey Pants Award. Okay. For the that guy who's just in everything. A lot of people here. Rory Kinnear yes. in pretty much every good television show to come out of England last year. Should we call year. this like the Denholm Elliott Award? Yeah, sure. Okay. That's good. The Denholm Elliott Award. Helen McCrory, who goes on to play Polly Shelby in Peaky Blinders, plays the minister hmm. who's questioning Judy Dench. Nicholas Woodison, who uh, is doing word association with, with Bond in the psychological evaluation, is in everything. Yeah, uh, I guess Albert Finney, sort of, because he's behind the beard. You're like, who's that guy? Oh, is that guy? Uh, any other that guys? Uh,
4: Ola Rapace, Numi Rapace's ex-husband, who plays Patrice, oh, who was murdered.
0: That's him? Yeah.
4: Numi. <laughs> really? Yeah. He gets tossed off a building. He's yeah, like a very yes. well-known actor in Sweden. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Just
0: dropping some Ola. Swedish film takes. What do you got, Amanda? Anybody else?
3: No, I think we covered him. Okay. I think this has to be Helen McRory.
0: I do, I do too. It's such, And she doesn't it's even actually guy. get a straight up close up. Yeah. But like you hear her, her voice like, and you're like, it's Polly. I think to most human beings, the pick would be Rory Kinnear. Yes. Sure. Because,
4: but you guys, the Anglophiles that you guys are, you're like deeply familiar with Rory Kinnear's work.
0: I, I I am. I mean, like I've seen like several shows that star Rory Kinnear, right. But yeah. I think most humans would be like,
4: oh, that guy who fucked the pig on Black Mirror that yes. one time. Yeah. I would oh, recommend yeah. if yeah. anybody
0: wants to watch a really great Rory Kinnear show, they look up Southcliffe, It's a very, very excellent okay. show. All right. Let's crack my back for this one. The Linda Partridge, don't call me lady! <laughs> award for overacting.
3: That's who it is? Yeah, That's it,
0: who it is. It, it, we changed Gosh. it from...
3: This is what I'm saying.
0: It went from Saul Rubinek or <laughs> <Yeah, with laughs> Ruffalo to Rubinek. And now it's. They knew Robbie! Yes. And you right. stabbed me in the heart. And now yeah. it's Julianne Moore in Magnolia. <laughs>
1: okay. Don't call me ladies!
3: <laughs> Is this Bardem? No. No. Mm. I already, I already, I'm giving this name to Harris. No one's Ooh. over... I already said this. I already did my own case. I know. I'm just like... No one's overacting. He is acting just right. Don't say another I'm not fucking word there's... against <laughs> Javier Bardem. Let's talk
0: about who's won this award before. Okay. We named it after Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Who is in Zodiac, and you can count on me in some beautiful performances. Yeah, but
3: you're making fun of that Nobody, performance. It... And that particular scene in naming the award after him. Nobody it's not has a, a 1,000
0: batting average. It's,
3: but it's not a positive award. And this Javier Bardem performance is the performance of the decade.
0: How about we give it to the boat captain who sticks his head and is like, we should push off. And then he goes away. <laughs> <laughs> and then fucking James Bond sneaks in and has sex in a shower. It's Bardem. <sighs> Well, I don't want to sour this whole podcast. You know,
4: it's like we really love. they not
1: giving. It's just overacting
4: is a skill unto itself. Okay, and there because everyone is so muted in the movie, in a way, he seems more life size, more outsized. But even still, I would say he's that do- he's
0: doing a lot. in the in the he's moment where it's
4: not too much.
0: It's, it doesn't have to be. That's a, it's not it's the not doing like criticism that's what
3: over means. That's literally in the title of the award.
0: Well, she has a point of. Procedure there. It's yeah, like, yeah. I, mean, like, I don't, but I don't view
4: the person who did who overacted in the movie as like ruining the movie. Right. It just that ruining
3: the movie. He's making the movie. I agree does with you. But in the best ever one no. of the best
0: moments of movies of this decade is that scene about the coconuts. And you know what else he does? He goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like it's amazing. Bing, bing. He's like sounds like a fucking like like a Bond villain. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right. I, I'm, I
3: don't agree with this, but I am outvoted, as always. She no.
0: treated you like a son. You <laughs> stabbed her in the heart. Half-ass internet research. So we, we give that to the boat, Captain. Because uh, I, I want us all to be friends. Okay, thanks. Half-ass yes. internet research. Yale professor Stephen Carter believes that there is a deeper mystery to Silva's relationship with M. Mm. Namely, that she is possibly his adopted mother. Raul Silva is an anagram for a rival soul.
3: Okay. All right.
0: And Think on Your Sins is an anagram for your son isn't in HK. Hong Kong. So you can read about this. It's on Bloomberg. There's lots of blog posts about this. Shout out to to Yale for producing such a great mind that he... (laughs) Thank you to Yale. (laughs) Thank thank you, you, Yale. Yale. There is basically a school of thought that quote-unquote James Bond, air quotes... Is a code name. It's it's called code name theory. Um, so you can read about this. It's basically the idea that um, James Bond is the name used by lots of different characters throughout mm-hmm. time, but that each actor played a different individual. That they're not all James Bond. That they're not all existing. And that there there are some feints towards continuity with different character or different actors, but that James Bond is not just one man, but all these different people who played him. And James Bond was like a code name. You can go for that or you're not. Uh, Do you go to- for that?
3: No, no, I don't.
0: I didn't think that you would. But I, I wanted to bounce it off of you.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's plausible. And I think, I just think it's overthinking it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is like not, especially... Before Casino Royale, there's not that intentionality right. to this series, especially the movies. They are, they're, you know, just kind of making movies to put this character in weird situations and then have him look cool in a tux.
4: Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because I think on the one hand, our best heroes, Superman or James Bond, don't expire. They're always, they're always there for us to be heroic. That's like part of the appeal of the hero figure. But also, like you mentioned Unforgiven earlier, if you look at the Rocky franchise, some of the best movies about those things are about the person coming to terms with the fact that they're not as powerful as they once were. They're not able to do the things that they used to do. The genius of this movie is is that it's both. Yeah, Yeah. You know, you get to have the, there's only one James Bond and every actor that has played him is basically playing the same person. But also that person's getting older and life is harder and they have a lot of problems. Right.
0: There is an, another wrinkle to this, mm-hmm. which is that uh, there is a theory out there on on top of codename theory, which is that James Bond in this movie does not know about codename theory. He thinks he is the only Bond. Oh. And that uh, basically that he has been brainwashed into thinking he was an orphan. I know. And, and that Silva is also a James Bond. He thinks he is a James Bond.
3: I mean, Silva is a James
0: Bond. Absolutely. That is like,
3: you know, there is... <sighs> Why do we have to make everything so literal? And, and not nerdy? only that,
0: with this this franchise in particular, where so many of these movies were made during a time when they would just be like, well, we brought back at the same actor who used to play this guy five year, five movies ago, but he decided he'd do one more movie. But what do we do about the dead wife from the other movie? And it's right. like, eh, don't worry about it. We used to just not worry about this stuff.
3: Yeah. And that I'm, was that I, was the appeal of it, or we Chris and I did. You there's a reason that you're not a James Bond nerd, and that's because you're sitting there making all of the spreadsheets, yeah. and you're just like, "What about the gloves? What and does all Her the Majesty's stones?
0: Secret Service
4: mean and to
3: d- this? Doesn't align up in my room? I you...
4: won't I won't argue that I have a superior mind. <laughs>
3: okay, if that's, that's what you're worried about. <laughs> okay, that
4: my desire to organize and understand the long chronology of a tale <gasps> makes me a more sophisticated film viewer, and um. Just a, a a a bigger supporter of the true arts Jesus
0: i'm really Christ. I'm really sorry about that. Okay. Anyway, the reason why Silva is a bond and the reason why he has gone through the same experience is because when he arrives at Skyfall, mm-hmm. he apparently like knows the place. like if you watch it from that,
3: Yeah, because he's a fucking spy, and he did some recon, you know, everyone's trained to know every none of this is real. And no. I think <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> none of it's real. Shit. And so they're all geniuses who you know have the plans of every single place they're going to go in their head ahead of time, which of course that isn't true. And also, like James Bond doesn't survive the fall at the beginning of this movie. Yes, or you know any how, of the how other... else he
0: could know what It looks like yeah, Google Maps,
3: right? Yeah, that's a great point. Did they have that in 2012?
0: I bet on the Macau island when he's like slowly downloading files. Yeah, he could get get some sat nav going.
3: I think the thing it's great that people want to invest in movies however they want to invest in movies and i don't take that away but what's a bummer about all of that is that it like it's taking things that are in the movie and big themes and just can't accept them as like large archetypal like emotions or ideas and has to kind of game them out
0: let me ask you this would you like some continuity in these movies? Would you like to feel like the three or four movies you watch after Skyfall, I mean, they'll probably replace Bond. We can get to that. Yeah. But would you like to feel like there is one story being told over several movies? And then maybe they reset it when they get a different actor.
3: No, because if that's the case, then Skyfall is the last Bond movie. Like this, this is the logical end to the franchise. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think they'll make another movie as good as this one.
0: With Craig, at least.
3: With Craig, at least, because it is there's such finality to it and it is dealing with like the largest themes. You can't really go bigger than that. It's like the, um, the emotional or thematic version of the mission impossible. Now we got to put the helicopter on the cliff on the something. Mm -hmm. Well, I
4: would, I would slightly disagree with that. I think that you're, you're right that in terms of the classical approach and a lot of the Shakespearean stuff that we're talking about and not necessarily selling out some of the ideals and coolness of the franchise. I think that's true. I think this is like as close as they're going to get to prestige masterpiece. On the other hand, this is like a, this is a franchise that very rarely takes risks, mm-hmm. and they have a real formulaic approach to their movies. Now, this movie is thematically deep, but structurally it is still pretty similar. And I wonder if someone like Carrie Fukunaga, who's directing the next mm-hmm. movie, who is a formally dynamic, I would say... Oh is gonna to try to break some things apart. Is gonna to try to do something new. Now the Broccoli family, as you mentioned, Chris, very controlling. Yes. This is very important to them. This is what they do. Well this is what they a, make.
0: It's an interesting tension between like director and producer. The producer's like, This is my family's heirloom. So like mm-hmm. if you're like Danny Boyle and you wanna do a Me Too bond or whatever it is that you wanna do, like that doesn't work for us if we wanna keep making bonds movies in 10 years. Yeah. We want sustainability. So uh, I just wanted to bounce that theory off of you. I wanted to see what you thought of, like the idea of like a unifying theory of bond or that there's like something like there's some conspiracy theory within this movie.
3: I just think it's too hard with one person to do the unifying theory and then keep making movies and taking chances and yeah. trying new things. and I, I I don't think that at least Daniel Craig will have another movie as good as Skyfall, but I would like to. For them to keep making Bond movies, Dream Big. I'm I'm okay actually for them to just like keep making trying. To I one thousand percent agree. With you. I cannot wait for the for Bond twenty five. Right. Like sign me up. I look forward to Bond movies. So do whatever you got to do to make it work.
0: Some more half assed internet research. There were a couple other titles considered for this movie: Silver Bullet, A Killing Moon, which I enjoyed, although mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if there's a, that many moons in this movie. And once upon a once upon a spy. Were alternative titles.
3: Yeah, see the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing is just really, it's all coming together. Yeah.
0: The interior of the Golden Dragon Casino in Macau, where Bond meets Severine, was actually Pinewood Studios. Shout out to English ingenuity. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they did visit, uh, production visited China, Turkey, and locales all over England. They shot everywhere in London, and they went to Scotland, Glencoe, mm-hmm. which is where Skyfall is. Uh Silva's Island, as I mentioned before, was shot off of Macau but is based on Hashima, which is off the coast of Nagasaki. and was like an abandoned mining it's town.
3: It's a real place. Yeah,
0: so you can go there. 3G? What's that? They have 3G there? They have, they have dial-up. Okay. They have, they, have, <laughs> they have Prodigy. You put the disc in. Oh, cool. And you can just, like, <laughs> oh Alta Vista. And... Prodigy. I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys, but if there's two people in the world I trust to handle it, it's you two. Okay. For recasting Couch, rather than casting any of the roles in this movie, I would like to talk about who should play James Bond next. Oh, wow. So, there's two versions
4: of this conversation. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: There is the angst-ridden, why didn't they make Idris Elba bond, uh, where we're kind of talking about exploding what the identity of James Bond is. Should it be a woman? Should it be a person of color? That's one way to approach this. It's, It's actually been like a pretty driving... And now, ultimately, kind of cliche conversation point, I think Idris Elba is, like, way older now than any Bond who had been previously cast at that point. So that I think that that part of the conversation is over. That wouldn't stop someone like Daniel Kaluuya being a potential mm-hmm. Bond as an interesting talking point. He kind of fits some of the profile. As far as, I mean, do you want to just talk about white male Brits who would do well? That's really your lane.
3: Yeah, thank you. Wow. Um that's true, There, There isn't really a strong class of them. Like, for example, Richard Madden, who mm-hmm. was
0: in the bodyguard, Game of Thrones, was and it, then in yeah. Bodyguard,
3: everyone was like, okay, now he's going to be the next James Bond. I, he's also Scottish, yes. I believe, so I that can. works out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, James Madden is right for... Richard the, Madden. I'm sorry, Richard Madden. Yeah, what's James Madden? Is that? I think you're just
0: saying James Bond and Richard Madden together. Okay,
3: thank you. Steve Madden is the shoe company. Anyway, <laughs> Richard Madden is not my particular pick for James Bond because I think he's a little, he's a little wooden, as evidenced by Chris just screaming Vicky a lot. <laughs> oh, and like, but wooden without maybe some of the the layers of pain that Daniel Craig brings underneath. Mm. Um,
4: that's the and that's the, the yeah. difficulty of this is following up with a person who is as handsome and appealing and different enough from the archetype but also a good actor. You need yeah. all those things. You need to be sexy. You need to be cool. You need to look good with a gun.
3: And the other thing that's tough is that all of the 30-something British actors who are working are already in Marvel or other franchise movies. So I don't know who there is. I,
0: I mean, like, I would like Tom Hardy to play James Bond. I, I, He, he won't take the fucking mask off. Yeah, even Even tough. when he's I mean, in Peaky Blinders and he's got a giant beard. Like, he just won't be... The kind of movie star version mm-hmm. of himself, which he essentially is in Inception. that mm-hmm. He never did that. I also think if you were going to go way out of the box, Kano, who is a grime MC who's in this show Top Boy, is fucking awesome. And I weirdly feel like he could just be like the kind of Bond you've never seen before. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know what the Brockways are going to do.
3: I mean, going back to the.
0: Just no Cumberbatch. That's all I'm saying. No Cumberbatch. But going no. g-
3: going back to the outside of the box suggestions. I I don't know I the should a woman be Bond thing I I, I don't need to put on my feminism hat right now and I just saw Charlie's Angels which is such a depressing example of what happens when they try to market these things to women and suddenly Mm -hmm. you have the world's worst soundtrack and everything is like written by the skim and is really dumped down and I don't want that for James Bond at all but Emily Blunt that's the one. I mean, no, I'm just an Emily Blunt fan. Obviously, she's great in action movies. She has the charisma. She is British. I, I'm i curious. She seems
0: like she is engaged with the idea of English mythology already yeah. with Mary Poppins. She's also got edge. Yeah. You know, like in Edge of
4: Tomorrow, pardon the pun, she's the biggest badass and you buy it. She's in Sicario. Yeah. 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 yeah like she has credibility in that space, and if 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 they wanted to make that choice and cast a woman, which I don't think they're going to do, because I think James Bond is inherently a very conservative property yes, um but if they did, she would be tremendous. Do you guys have any recast and couch things like from the actual skyfall that you wanted to mention? um I wish they would have brought uh, Rubinek in
0: as M. I think that would have been the best way to you know maybe were read- you bummed out there was no Felix later in this movie. Sometimes they really like they they shoehorn Felix in, and you're just like, there's no reason That's for it. That's Jeffrey Wright's character, yeah. right? Um I don't really get that character if I'm being honest. Yeah. He's like kind of He's a He's often friend. the guy who picks Bond up at the airport when he comes to America.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but this movie doesn't care about America at all, which is kind of what's refreshing best parts about it. About it. Good yeah. Point.
0: Leave Good us point. on the side yeah, of the. Yeah, no
3: special relationship here.
0: Um picking nits. We talked a lot about the hacking. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention that in early in this film, mm-hmm. Bond has sex with a woman in Turkey. Yeah. By the beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next shot is he is wearing khakis in bed. And I think that's weird. (laughs) I think that's weird to be. Same energy. I guess that's like your go bag. (laughs) Like in case shit goes wrong. Yeah. You have your khakis on already. But I just don't. You have like wild sex on a beach in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like height. i'm gonna get a heineken and put on some khakis so you're you what you would have preferred and that then shot, get back in bed so you your
4: preference for that shot is bond <laughs> with his cock out post <laughs> indulging in a, in a beverage wouldn't that be more realistic well this
0: is the the traumatic bond so it would have been more, but why is he more wearing traumatic. pants who has ever put on khakis after sex and gotten back in bed.
3: They're not in bed. The bed is just kind of like lounging. She is also dressed.
0: She's not?
3: She is at least wearing a wrap. She is wearing, it's okay. like a pink, like kind of like cover up robe situation. I mean, in, when there's let's,
4: No, let's make this personal. Okay. So you, oh, great. Chris Ryan has sex. <laughs> a human man has sex. <laughs> you started this. <laughs> I was ready for
0: it. Okay. I'm not running from this fight. This is important.
4: Uh, after sex, uh-huh. You get up, you, I don't know. You I get make up, myself
0: but- a giant turkey sandwich <laughs> and I go to the mirror and I say, you're the best. <laughs> what does everybody do? They want to have a cigarette. You can't smoke anymore. Maybe you vape, but you're not supposed to what do you, that. Do you just, do you just, so, do you put on khakis? <laughs> what is you? <laughs> what do people do? You lie in a post-coital bliss. And maybe you go to the, you get a water and you're just like, God, and you put on your boxers, maybe. Or are you just like maybe he hasn't flopping had... around, just
4: showing the remnants of it all? I understand. Maybe he's con- not
3: wearing boxers. Let me just throw that out there. Maybe well, he's just is nothing else. He strikes
0: else. me as a no underwear Yeah. Guy. So, yeah. so no underwear khakis. I, what? That's weird. That's weird. And it's not practical if he feels like he's going to have it. to be on the run. No underwear khakis. I've done it. In what possible context? <laughs> Next time it happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> Don't. Do me a favor. Don't. Keep it. Okay. Uh, other nitpicks. Okay. Well, we got our breakout. <laughs> other, other nitpicks, I guess, would be, like I mentioned before, uh, I, I just don't think that if you're pretending to be dead, you uh, entertain an entire bar by doing scorpion tricks. Okay. I think it's a good call. I think you got to keep a low profile.
3: Yeah, but I mean, that's also he can't keep a low profile. He is still James Bond and he feels he both, quote, feels a sense of duty, but also wants to be special and wants to be loved by mommy as well. And so that is Mm. showing like even as he's, quote, enjoying vacation, he has to be doing daring things and getting uh, attention for them.
0: Other nitpicking nits, I would just be really fucking mad if they sold my apartment.
3: Yeah
2: yeah
0: i'd be like wait what and, they and i was like how about, how about you how about yeah. you take care of this yourself then i yeah. gotta go get my shit <laughs> that was foul who got the money for that her majesty yeah any other picking nits?
3: yeah i have a couple uh it takes three to four months for hackers to decode one list of agents i think at the timeline situation That's very stupid yeah Three to four months. This also, is a real
4: Mission Impossible. Did a it, better thing to me, and it's also not
0: close. The yeah. list
3: yeah. of NATO agents being on one hard drive, even in 2012, yeah. we're doing we're better even than just that. being a
0: list. Yeah. Um,
3: the hackers using YouTube. They're literally <laughs> posting the reveals
0: yeah. on YouTube. Yeah,
3: maybe they would do that. I
0: buy it.
4: That's what I'd do if I was okay. an international hacker driven mad by a cyanide capsule okay. in my head.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you just upload vlogs. <laughs> <laughs>
4: My vlogs would be sick.
0: Okay. It's Shawnee <laughs> Fantasy coming to you live from Macau. Like and subscribe. Here's my hacker vlog, guys. What's up with M? <laughs> right. That's right. Okay, I got a few more. Just you naked with khakis on. I was on. like, now all I can think about is
3: he's just wearing khakis. So it's really unfortunate. Okay, moving on. The scene when they're um, Bond and M are on their way to Skyfall, and they're getting support from Q and.
0: Mm-hmm. And Gareth. Yeah, and yeah. Gareth. And Tanner.
3: And then Mallory and Mallory yeah. walks in. But so Q's doing like the top secret. We're laying a breadcrumb trail. It's unofficial. No one can know. Like in the middle of headquarters on the giant screen. On the computer that just
0: got hacked. With
3: the lights on. Yes,
0: on the computer that just let everyone out of jail.
3: It's it's not in like the most top secret. I agree. Okay. And then this is about um. At the Skyfall scene, when Daniel Craig, when James Bond, uh, goes underwater and mm-hmm. is fighting the guy under the water, can you strangle a guy with your knee?
0: I, I think just
4: like physically. Me, can I do no, that? No, but just think about it. From <laughs> Depends the, on the and the basic. He's
3: can you get your knee around someone's neck?
0: Yes, I think so. Really? Based on what little UFC I have watched, okay. yes. Okay. All right. I, I I do believe so.
3: I don't know. I just kind of if you look at. Uh, Daniel Craig's build, he's not the tallest guy. I wouldn't say he has like long legs. So then from just like kind of a a lever situation, he, I don't know. Can you get it around? He has a lot of compacted
0: power? power.
3: Yes, but can you get the neck into the knee?
4: It's also, he dies doing that
3: because okay.
0: he has hypothermia and sure. his
3: heart All stops. Right, so. That's fine. That's um, a great
0: point. Can I pick a knit with just James Bond? Why are you looking right at me when you say that? Just for fun? Or do you think this is something that I believe in? I'm just I'm I'm still getting over what all the things you said about what you do after sex. Um,
4: I I, so James Bond um, is an international secretive operative Mm -hmm. who tells everybody his name, who is always saying his name, and who's always dressed impeccably and is incredibly handsome and sleeping with strangers all the time, and. We've never considered a situation in which someone just walks up to him and just shoots him in the fucking face. It's just like, we got to get rid of this
0: Bond guy. Yeah. No, it's always guys who are like, how about we have the three of us try to beat him up at the same time? Yeah.
4: There's always like a weird knife fight (laughs) in a Komodo dragon dungeon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But ideally what you want is James Bond is getting a cup of coffee and somebody just blows his face off. (laughs)
3: That's not what I want. But
4: but if you are a, a, a part of a criminal conspiracy to destroy MI6... You're not like I need to lure him to my island so that I can explain my master plan. Okay. You want to just like just get a gun? I'm, I feel like I'm Scott Evil right now yeah. explaining <laughs> yeah, awesome I, powers. I, I think that but you're like just shoot him in the face. No,
3: I mean you're right. Except that's not what Silva wants. He doesn't want it to just shoot him in the I face. Know. He wants Judy Dench's attention. He yes. and he wants right. to feel loved and he you wants know. to
0: get put in a cell.
3: Exactly. He's a psychopath and he wants. It it's to, essentially
0: the Joker plot from Dark Knight. I it think. is very similar.
3: Yeah. So, um, but but in general, your part of the plan. Your point is you correct said. that he James Bond could really die at any time. Except, I think he has pretty good reflexes
4: for sure and so. a wonderful fighter. But every once in a while, you just catch a gun in the face, and that's just not yeah. good. Okay. What do you any think? other uh, nitpicks? We'll have to circle back to your sex life. Okay.
0: Uh, best quote: Orphans always make the best
1: recruits. How old were you when they died? You know they also do that. You know the whole story. Orphans always make the best recruits.
0: What is this if not betrayal? She sent you off to me knowing you're not ready, knowing you're likely to die. Mommy was very bad.
2: Subject is not approved for field duty and immediate suspension from service advised. What is this if not betrayal? <laughs> she sent you off to me knowing you're not ready, knowing you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. I did.
0: Basically, like all the coconut stuff, but the line where it's like you take them and release them into the trees, but now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. You have changed their nature. The two survivors. This is what she made us. So that's fucking it's top great. shelf, baby.
3: Yeah, uh, that's Shakespeare.
0: And I, I also just love when Q says to Mallory, uh, "But uh, what if the PM finds out?"
1: No, um,
2: excellent thinking. Get him isolated. Send him on the A nine. It's the direct route. You can monitor his progress more accurately. And confirm it with the traffic cameras. But uh, what if the PM finds out? And then we're all buggered. Carry on.
4: Best quotes. I mean, you mentioned earlier some men are coming to kill us. We're going to kill them first. Yeah. It's
0: mm-hmm. a great one.
3: Yeah. I mean, Mommy was very bad. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mommy was very bad. Mommy is. was very bad. So good. Really good. Uh, let's go with that for best quote then. Uh, could this be remade as a 10 episode Netflix show? I will say I would watch a Bond Netflix show. I would, if this was just like Peter Morgan, make the Bond Netflix show.
3: Yeah, but here's what we gotta do. No. Everything has to be filmed on location. Yes. It has to be this production level. Okay. And I have not seen a Netflix show, including The Crown, which I love, also written by Peter Morgan. Is not at at this level of, of I, production. as a
0: spy head, kind yeah. of a spy guy, would love an MI6 show where there was just this reckless alcoholic asshole who was sort of the centerpiece of it. But I, a, it's not like I don't have enough of that in my life. If and when th- that happens, what you're describing, that's how we know movies are dead. If Bond goes to Netflix. Would you watch a Bond spinoff show of some point, of some, some kind? Well,
3: on- when you said MI6 show, I was like, I would watch Judi Dench's M and kind of all the internal politics and then... You know, every other episode, yeah. there's some like extended set piece. But Judy Dench
0: like, and Ray finds playing, yeah. like, like going to Whitehall and having to go to hearings and like doing backroom deals.
3: Yes. I mean, I just, great house by Judy Dench in this movie. Yes. They ran out of drink where you were, did they? <laughs> A plus. I-, I would spend more time there.
4: I just, you don't I'm, care. That's just, fine. I just, don't I care. I, I, ca- I, care. I don't God care. doesn't care. It, it's just the, the grandeur is what's part of, that's
0: what this series is. That's right. You're like a a barker outside of a marquee. Come on in and see the greatest show in entertainment. <laughs> the movies. That's how
4: I get people to see the movies starring Thanos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably unanswerable questions. I only had one, which was really was, was Silva. Well, like what was Silva's relationship to M beyond, if anything, he was just an agent that she screwed over? Like what causes the like. I always took it pretty literally. Yeah, I mean, I I, do I, well. I don't even take it. I don't. I don't actually mean like. Did she literally adopt him at some point? I just mean like. I would love to know what kind of transpired. I guess it is the, the trauma of the cyanide pill and the being I mean, that's tortured. That's a prequel that could be interesting. Yeah, the Silva, the, the Silva, Silva stuff. Years, yeah, Silva in Hong Kong.
3: Though it seems like she gives that very quick explanation where she's like, "I cut him loose." Yeah, I got six agents in return.
4: But she's not to be trusted.
3: She's not to be trusted, but I think, you know, that's whatever happened. I think it's something that perfunctory. Yes. I think mm-hmm. because what you're supposed to walk away from this is that these agents really are just agents of the state and interchangeable, and no one cares mm-hmm. about them, even though the, the M and Bond relationship at the end is like very moving. Um, that's in defiance of how this is all arranged. One of
0: my favorite parts about this movie is watching Judy Dench's face when she's in scenes with, with Bardem. Because it actually, it, I, you can't tell sometimes like whether or not she's just like this guy's. This guy's actually legitimately terrifying me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they, they're especially at the end when he puts the gun and he says, "Do it to both of us." Like he oh puts the God, gun to so her head up. and he puts his head next to her. We didn't really talk about that that much. Like the whole ending of the movie and M's death, but the way in which that transpires, like she seems legitimately disturbed by him.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Which is really
0: also, I guess, acting, but you know.
3: I think, I mean, that's definitely true. <laughs> Judy Dench, good actor. Yeah. But you think about her career, she's not really in that many situations where, like, a very tall man in a blonde wig is just doing yeah. Silva. And then there's, or even that there's a gun to her head. What's really exciting about the Skyfall sequence is like Judy Dench is kind of doing some action yeah. scenes, at least for Judy Dench. And I, I would expect it was a new situation for her. Yeah. I
4: don't know. I read that this is the most screen time by far that M ever had in a movie.
1: Yeah, all the James
4: mm-hmm. Bond movies, which is interesting, too. The <laughs> idea of letting her really be the co-star of the movie.
1: Who won the movie?
3: Barbara Broccoli?
4: I, I think it really resets Sam Mendy's career. I always say the director because I can't get that out of my head. But What's he done since then? Specter, and now he's got 1917 coming mm-hmm. out this mm-hmm. this winter, also with Roger Deakins. Um, you know, I he was kind of nowhere in the movie business because of Away We Go. I mean, he would have been able to get stuff made, but it does it reaffirms his place as the top, top, top tier because he took a franchise property and got it more awards and more money. I mean, what's more powerful than that?
3: And I think it does the same thing for the Bond franchise. Sure, and certainly.
4: I guess James mm. Bond wins then. Yeah,
3: rejuvenates it and makes it people really excited about it again and and reminds people of the possibility inherent in it. Yeah. So that everyone is still excited about all of these movies, despite the fact that it's like we're coming up on the 25th Bond movie, and people are super overloaded with franchises and spy stuff. And, Shared
0: universes and all that. Right. Yeah. And also
3: obviously like Brexit and the everything. It's an it's an old conservative character, mm-hmm. but Skyfall manages to address all all of those issues at once.
0: I it, It's weird. It's like, you. I don't think it's the same movie without Bardem. You know, it, I don't think it works if it's Jeffrey Rush or, you know, Johnny Depp or or I guess somebody who hasn't been canceled might be nice. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of like... <laughs> Woody A- Allen. A- <laughs> no? Actor X. You know, You're like, right, Louis C.K. The replacement actor there, uh, just wearing khakis, hanging out. You know, I just don't think that they... <laughs> Do you was, guys
3: are out of control. I don't We're think, never doing these on a Friday afternoon again.
0: <laughs> I don't think that y- you get the same movie without Bardem, but I still think Mendy's won the movie. Okay. What do you think? You think Bardem?
3: Um, no, I think the, I think the broccoli family, the, the James Bond, the franchise.
4: I like that. I'm convinced on the filmmakers. On this. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I, I think mm-hmm. James Bond, like James Bond, continuing as a powerful force in our lives as moviegoers is that's a that feels right.
0: You deserve a sandwich
4: and a cold Heineken. Yeah, well, you know, I'm wearing (laughs) khakis right now, so you can imagine how excited I am.
0: For Amanda Dobbins and Sean Fennessy, I'm Chris Ryan. This has been The Three Watchables.